Hi, this is Aaron Orlando reporting for the Revelstoke Mountaineer. I'm joined by Hugo Rampen, who is the organizer of the new Axis Monday Festival, which has its first offering in Revelstoke this fall. Um, Hugo's uh, stopped by the office to talk to us about the festival and tell us a little bit more about uh, what he has planned. Hugo, thanks for joining us. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. So Axis Monday, what is it? Axis Mundi, the technical definition is it's a, it's a mythical place where the heavens meet the earth and the four compass points join. So we wanted to redefine that a little bit and we wanted to include four more elements, arts and culture, adventure, community and environment. I was reading a little bit uh, where a lot of people read these days when these things on Wikipedia and it seems to be this uh, pantheistic concept that has uh, um, different interpretations across the world. Why did you choose uh, that concept for, for this Revelstoke Festival? Uh, interestingly enough, when I first came to Revelstoke and pitched the idea for a festival, I stood on Mackenzie and I looked around and I saw the heavens meeting the earth and I saw the four compass points joining. Uh, and, you know, the fact that the Columbia River goes north and south and the rail goes east and west and it all seems to connect here. And I went home and I thought, well, it's kind of a mythical place. So I looked up mythical places on Wikipedia and there it was, it <laughs> dropped in my lap. And also I have a lot of European contacts and they ask where you live and I tell them, you know, I'm from Salmon Arm and they don't, don't know where it is. I says, it's just west of Revelstoke and all of a sudden the light bulb goes on. And the t Revelstoke itself has a sort of a mythical, a mythical presence uh, amongst my European friends for some reason. Interesting. Um... And Salmon Arm is, is where you've been based in the past little while. Um, when I first heard about the festival and that you've been hired on a couple of years ago, um, you were the, the, the director of the Salmon Arm Roots and Blues Festival. Um, we've had a chance to talk and find out a little bit more about your background. Cause maybe, maybe you could uh, share, share with us about what you've been doing uh, in Salmon Arm and uh, what your background is sort of in the music festival business is uh, before then. Well, originally I was a farmer, and I was farming in a small town that had a, a theater that was underused, and I started presenting music. And in doing that, I ended up creating a friendship with a guy who was a music agent. He eventually got tired of being an agent and gave me his agency. And at the same time as farming, I started developing this agency and working with Canada Council for the Arts and the Department of Canadian Heritage. And I kind of surprised myself. I, I became quite quite a good agent. I didn't know I could do that. I was quite a shy guy. And I started touring bands all around the world. And I started bringing bands into Canada and also produced a, a record that eventually won a Juno. And uh, I was found myself slap dab in the middle of the music industry. And being an agent is uh, an exhausting job. And eventually it grinds you down. So I applied for a job that was available in Salmon Arm at the Roots and Blues Festival. They were applying for an administrator. And uh, I knew Linda Tanaka because uh, I booked a lot of bands with her. She was the artistic director at the time. And uh, so they hired me and I moved the family from Ontario to uh, British Columbia. And we started living in Salmon Arm. A year and a half into my time at the Roots and Blues Festival, Linda left the festival and I was given her job as well as my job, so I started doing artistic direction, and uh, which was always a passion of mine, and uh, it was kind of a nice fit for me, and I think I did an all right job there. We seemed to have some good audiences and produced, or 
presented some very uh, interesting bands, some first-time bands and some repeat bands and some popular and not so popular, but it was uh, an enjoyable thing for me to do. And then uh, I I must have an assured attention span or something because I ended up leaving the Roots and Blues uh, in 2014, and I I walked into uh, the offices here in Revelstoke and said I'd like to produce a festival, a festival for you, and I met Alan Mason. And uh, he is uh, an incredible guy who uh, shared my vision and, and gave me some tools to get the project on the go. I'm just going to ask a follow-up question. The Juno Award, tell me more about that. Well, uh, I was booking a guy named Lester Quitsaw, and I also was booking another guy named Bill Bourne, and I was booking another guy named Madagascar Slim, uh, three individual bands, and uh, I sort of had exhausted their booking potential in Canada because they'd toured so much. So I made a pitch to the Roots and Blues Festival, actually, and I said, what would happen if I put those three artists together in a, in a trio and you could present them? And she said, all right, she would do it. So I phoned them up and I said, guess what? You're going to be part of a trio. And I introduced them all. Bill and Lester, of course, knew each other, both being from Edmonton, but Slim didn't know them. And we... Uh, I flew Slim out to Edmonton. Uh, they rehearsed for two days and hit the road. And uh, very successful. And it became known as Tri-Continental. And then after the project of just live performance, Bill Bourne called me up and said, Hugo, it was really magical. And uh, we could get this on, we should get this on recording and, and maybe release it. And so lo and behold at the same time i met a, a fellow a first nations fellow he said if you had a project what would you like to do and i said i would like to record this he said okay let's get it done so he fronted the money we recorded tricontinental in toronto we flew the guys out and uh, released it on my own little label and uh, it won a juno and i didn't know that the first nations guy that uh, fronted the money wally wapachi he had just won the lottery so he was looking for special projects and uh, his heart was in the right place and i was in the right place to talk to him you have a a, a pretty deep background in music production and music in canada what are you planning to bring to the access monday festival what what is your vision musically well access monday is I think it's supposed to represent uh, a world of music and adventurous music. And the first festival we're doing is the third weekend in September. It's sort of us dipping our toe in it. And it has to be a, a balance of popular so we can sell tickets and also culturally interesting or um, cutting edge. So we will try and sort of walk that fine line. It's similar to what I did at the Roots and Blues. And you have to recognize that Revelstoke is a fairly young town, so we have to uh, program music that is appealing to the youth of Revelstoke as well. But it has to be done in a responsible way. Uh, it's funny, when I, when I watch performance video, I probably watch the audience more than I watch the performer because I'm curious to see how the audience reacts to what's going on on stage. Uh, it helps us out in crowd management and, and setting a tone within the festival. So at this festival, you're going to see some world music. You're going to see some electronic music. You're going to see some Canadian roots music. You're going to see some alternative uh, roots, I guess you would say. Um, and hopefully people will be surprised and entertained.
Yeah, that that's really the big question. Um, we we had a summer festival that hasn't been offered for a few years now, and and when people, everyone sort of says in the community, you know, we got to have a summer festival, we got to have a, another another big music festival. But uh, the next question and the the one that's not uh, as um, consensus is, what kind of music do we have? <laughs> well, it's funny, you know. Uh, I think it's always really good to challenge your audience. And when I was at the Roots and Blues, I started to bring in more and more electronic music, uh, Kid Koala, Scratch Bastard, that kind of thing. And my board, who majority of which were over 50, were really nervous about this. And I had seen many of these performers on tour. I had toured with Kid Koala through Europe, and what he did was in live performance to me was performance art more than music. Absolutely phenomenal guy to watch. So when we presented him in the barn venue, which was the perfect venue for for such kind of music, I was happily surprised to see 40% of the audience had gray hair and they were really digging what they saw. And so I think you always challenge your audience. You don't just give them comfort food uh, and you have to surprise them. Just like uh, we've done traditional um, Mongolian music and there's youth watching because they're really enjoying the cultural interaction that they see. It's, it's, it's a surprise to them and they, and they eat it up. Ashley McIsaac is, is uh, I hope you'll agree with me, the biggest name on uh, the bill right now as, as uh, on the website. What are some of the other bands uh, that uh, you're excited about or have had to, maybe had a chance to see and uh, see perform? Well, Ashley McIsaac is the biggest name so far. We have one more, let's say, bigger name. I hate, I hate referring to them in, in hierarchy like that, but when you're presenting a festival, you it is important that you, you try and get... Uh, ticket selling power. Uh, Ashley's an interesting guy. I saw him in Cape Breton uh, two years ago. And, uh, you know, he's he's sort of later on in his career, he had his wild child days and he's settling down, but he's still an exciting performer to watch and, uh, and a Canadian icon. Uh, the next name I'd like to mention is a band called The Floozies. It's a duo and they're mixing DJ with live, live instrumentation. Uh, they're brothers and they're from Kansas and there's a, a drummer and, and a guitar player and the guitar player is also, uh, he's uh, spinning, spinning tracks and, and doing sound effects. Very funk based and you're going to hear a lot of uh, those old soul funk hits that uh, you so dearly love, the classic ones, intertwined with their, their live instrumentation. I think it's really exciting. Uh, Sticky Fingers out of Australia, uh, a great alt-roots band, that's what I would call them. Um, they're selling out shows even before the shows are posted in Australia. Uh, and they are about to go on a tour in the UK right now, and again, the shows are selling out. We're talking halls of 1,100 to 2,000, so they're doing quite well. They're wanting to break North America, so they're going to come and, and, and visit our festival on this tour. Uh, the Grounders and the Highs, two interesting alternative pop bands, I guess you'd call them, out of, uh, out of Toronto. Both are signed to very strong independent labels and both have new releases coming out. Uh, interesting sound. Um, their, uh, their draw is a little bit less and we're going to be featuring uh, those guys in, in a music crawl situation, so smaller venues. Yeah, I, the, the Axis Monday website um, has videos for most of the artists collected there and it's, it's really interesting. You pointed out... Um, um, the 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 highs they really have some some pretty 
pretty interesting music and uh, the videos um, was it for um, Sticky Fingers were really creative they got some uh, pretty pretty interesting stuff um, now it's it's the music festival the plan is to hold it at RMR is that correct at the at the Revelation Lodge it's a combination of things. What we want to do is model the festival after an event I attended in Germany called Rudolstadt, where the, the event takes over a whole town. And I think Revelstoke is, is uh, capable of, of accommodating that. So on Friday night, we want to use downtown venues. So the last drop, uh, uh, Chubby Funsters, um, Castle Joe's, uh, Revelstoke Performing Arts Center, etc. There'll be six or eight venues uh, in a music crawl situation where you will see the you know, majority of which will be uh, BC or national touring bands uh, around. Now we also be and those uh, venues are all wristband access, so you have to have a festival wristband to access those. But we will be having a free show to the public in the same evening out in Grizzly Plaza, not the at the uh, bandstand gazebo thing. Um, and then during the day on Saturday and Sunday, we will also be having music workshops and small performances. Uh, downtown in the venues, the various venues. And in the evening on Saturday and Sunday night, we'll be having our main stage between 6 and, say, I'm guessing 2 o'clock in the morning on Saturday and Sunday night up at RMR Revelation Lodge. And you're also planning to have some uh, some other cultural events, some uh, talks and speakers. What's what's uh, What are you shooting for? Yeah, so we're, we're, we intend on having four speakers, two of them adventure sport related, uh, one of them community related, and another one uh, cultural or environmentally related. Sort of a TED Talks kind of concept. I wanted to create an event that was not just music. So it's like Mountain Equipment Co-op meets TED Talks meets Music Festival meets Mom's Kitchen. It's uh, a place where you can be nurtured um, psychologically and physically and emotionally and culturally so we have one speaker for example that we're bringing his name is jamie andrew he's from scotland we're flying him in uh jamie's professional climber he uh was uh i can't remember the official term for it but he worked in the north sea on the oil rigs uh, climbing for a living and he was also an adventure climber he and his colleague another jamie uh we're climbing an alp. It was supposed to be a day climb, and they ended up being trapped on there for five days. And uh, the partner, climbing partner, passed away during that from hypothermia. And Jamie Andrew lost both uh, hands or forearms and both lower legs. So a quad amputee. And after this happened, he thought he just wanted to die. Uh, he didn't see the purpose of life, and uh, since he has pulled himself together, he has climbed the Matterhorn, he's climbed several Alps, he's run the London Marathon, and he's done a lot of inspirational speaking. And I thought it would be very interesting to hear Jamie's story, um, because part of an adventure festival is, is hearing about successes and failures and how people overcome challenges. And I think uh, Jamie Andrew will be a very interesting person to talk to. Another speaker is uh, an old friend of mine, Joey Taylor, who uh, built, had a guitar built, and his goal is to get this guitar into the hands of many Canadians as possible, physically possible. And the guitar is built out of components from across the country, including the Golden Spruce from Haida Gwaii, uh, 
piece of a seat from Massey Hall, Wayne Gretzky's hockey stick, uh, Pierre Trudeau's paddle, and so forth. And the guitar tells a story, and it's got an incredible photo history. And interestingly enough, when Joey was first developing this project, I actually sat on his advisory board and used to drive into Toronto uh, about once once or twice a month to consult on this. And to see the project come into fruition is is absolutely amazing. And Joey tells the story so well. It's not just a guitar. It's not just about music. It's about how the guitar has built a national community. How did you decide on this mix? I, I remember first hearing that you had been hired to do this project uh, maybe about a year, year and a half ago. Um, uh, since then, maybe tell me a little bit about the process to, uh, to, to arrive at uh, the mix of offerings. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I think historically Canadian music festivals, and I've been in the festival game since 1994 as an agent, etc., and I've attended a lot of conferences. Historically, Canadian festivals have been on the cutting edge. It's my gut feeling after being working at the Roots and Blues that the Canadian festival world is falling behind what's happening in Europe. And what I was seeing in Europe is that they became more interactive and doing a lot more cultural outreach and tying communities together. And that wasn't really happening here. So when I left the Roots and Blues, I thought, well, first of all, I went to Revelstoke and I thought this place needs a festival and it needs a festival that reflects the community and I sort of nosed around the community a bit and I found out that it's got an incredibly strong community spirit. It's got uh, a great affection for outdoor adventure sport. It's an, it's an environmentally concerned community and it's a community that loves music so I could create that here uh, using the concept of what I learned at the Rudolstadt Festival within the whole community. And uh, so I wrote a pitch to Alan Mason, and that's how I came up with it. I'm also passionate about culture and relationships and music and in the environment. You know, I think all those things are really important. And I also think humans have evolved quite a bit since the 1960s when folk festivals sort of first came into play we used to be very single-minded we would sit and only watch music um, and now we can multitask i mean we're on our iphones and we're driving even though we're not supposed to uh, and you know listening to radio shows all and my mother knits and drives at the same time uh, but you know I, I think i think we we can handle we can handle uh, complex combinations and I think this is an interesting one I think it's all related I only I, I it's my belief that the white Anglo-Saxons are the ones who separated food and dance from music for live presentation and and if you were to go to say a small community in Africa uh, all those things would be combined I mean there'd be a social gathering so it'd be a community oriented you would enjoy good food you would dance and listen to music it has it was a complex we for some reason we've pulled it all apart and we put people in lawn chairs and sat them in front of stages and put up no dancing signs and, and that's what's been happening at, at festivals across the country for for too long and i think we have to really play with what we have here in revelstoke i think it's an opportunity to invent something new or revisit something and I think uh, it's a lifestyle festival more than a music festival. It's all about how we should or we might want to strive to live our life. We want to be environmentally conscious. We want to be involved in a community. Uh, we want to be aware of arts and culture. We want to feel part of a group. 
it's interesting, you know, people refer to online community. And to me, that's such an oxymoron. How can you have an online community? You've never talked to these people. We want to bring that community back where people actually physically touch and move with one another. Um, for for this fall, what sort of size of festival do you think we're going to have? And then in the long-term vision, what do you hope to grow it to? Well, we've we've I've done large festivals. Roots and Blues was fifteen thousand a day, and they are pretty arduous events to put on. I wanted to do two small events versus one large event. And then I figured you could play with the themes of two small events, and it'd be a lot more playful for the community. So I'm we budgeted quite conservatively for this first festival and we're 15 to 1500 to 2000 people we're looking at um, for the entire weekend so we don't want to overtax the community we want to grow the festival with the community um, and, and make sure that we don't do the wrong thing we want to do the right thing and uh, the, if it's successful then the community can grow along with the event and at this point, how do you get involved? Uh, what, what sort of uh, community groups are you looking to participate in? What sort of opportunities do you have? And uh, how do, do people get in, link up with you and get in touch? Well, we're at our infancy in communicating with the public, and, and we're a little bit delayed from where we thought we'd be at this point. But you, we can be emailed at info at accessmundi.ca. We have been working with uh, the North Columbia Environmental Society, the Bearware uh, project, um, multicultural organization here in town, uh, the Arts Council. Uh, we have ongoing communications with these people. Also, so the uh, I just met with the association that's developing the standing wave for the river, mm -hmm. for the kayaking association. So uh, we're we're trying to work with as many community groups as possible. Our goal is to help those community groups uh, raise awareness or perhaps fundraising opportunities through the festival. A big part of what the festival about is about is about uh, creating economic development for the community. And it might be for nonprofits, or it might be for profits. For example, we want people to attend the restaurants and 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 stay in the hotels here. That's a big part of what the festival is to the community. Hugo Rampin, uh, best of luck with the festival. I'm sure we'll be meeting and talking in the future. And uh, thanks for doing this. Thank you very much.